Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Welcome back to the channel. Happy and blessed Tuesday, and welcome to episode 457 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight we're going to talk a little bit about the TMNT box office, as I'm sure some people have disagreed with my take that it is a box office flop. That does not mean that the film or that the franchise or that the industry behind it is not going to make some money. We do have some news indicating that it's actually been making quite a bit of money off of the brand name recognition alone. Talking here about toys, merchandising, things like that, which is not really all that surprising. But I still do hold, based on the numbers that we currently have available, that the movie, the chances of it actually getting to its break-even point, though possible at this point, don't seem to be likely. Now, obviously, all of that can change if the numbers end up being a lot more impressive this upcoming weekend. But based on what we have in front of us right now, it's just not looking like that is actually going to be the case. We'll dive into those numbers, though, and try to try to see if we can parse together some, some sense of it all. We'll also talk about Blue Beetle because Screen Rant, you know them, you love them. They're back at it with their terrible box office analysis, uh, claiming that the film just needs to double its budget, just needs to double and only make $250 million worldwide to break even, showing again that they still have no idea how the box office actually works, and their analysis continues to leave much to be desired. So we'll also talk a little bit about that. And today is the feast day of the Assumption of Mary, so a very, very important day in the life of the church, a holy day of obligation. Um, I'm very, very blessed and thankful to be working at a, a Catholic school where I'm able to have the opportunity to go to Mass and not have to worry about finding a time around my work schedule or anything like that, as I know there are many, many people of faith who, who have that issue of trying to, to find that time to go in the world that we live in today that is very clearly uh, anti-Christian and especially even anti-Catholic. So, blessed Feast of the Assumption uh, to everyone, and thank you for joining. Before we get further, though, basically, make sure you smash that like button, light up that fire button, honestly, and smash the rumble button as well, and let's go ahead, let's go ahead and say hello to the people who are in the chat today. We got Keely Chow hanging out. What's going on, Keely? Thanks for being here, dude. Thank you also for letting everyone know not to, to cuss. This is a family channel, of course. Also, you would have noticed if you were here right at the very beginning that there is indeed a giveaway open. Instead of waiting until the very end to open it up, I figured I would just leave that open for the span of the stream. You can only enter in once, so that should keep people from you know spamming entries. So it's, it's, it's only one ticket that you can enter in for that giveaway. I'm giving away two copies at the end of the stream of Pee-wee's Playhouse on Blu-ray. So again, rest in peace, Paul Rubens, who passed away um, about a week or two ago. So I was able to buy a few extra copies of this. And so if you've never seen this before and you happen to be a Pee-wee fan or a Paul Rubens fan, you're going to love this. There are so many great moments on this. Um, but anyway, that is currently open so just follow what other people are doing in the chat. If you just put the word enter, E-N-T-E-R, an exclamation point right attached to it, a space, and then the number one, it'll enter you in. So far, I have got GMuggy76, General Wingster, Dr. Martin, and Keely Chow entered in. And it's 3,000 tickets per, sorry, 3,000 cookies. So you know when you're checking your cookie count, those are digital cookies. You get those by watching these streams. And so if you've been watching for a while, if you are a regular, you'll be able to enter in. Um, and again, it'll be 3,000 digital cookies for that one entry ticket. Makes things a little bit easier. Zane, I saw that you're in there, dude. Glad to have you here. I know that you were asking about that last time. So glad that you're able to enter in. So if you do exactly what Zane and Mike Jackson did, you will be able 
to enter in as well. And if you are over on Rumble or Odyssey, I'm sorry, you're sad forever. Um, Again, <laughs> thank you for being here nonetheless. UAB Mad Dog, Mike Jackson hanging out over on Rumble. What's going on, brother? Thanks for being here. We got the King Mod Orange Chat Reviews. What's going on, good sir? Thank you for being here. Let's see. We got Bruce in the chat, member on the channel with the funny-looking hand-waving. Appreciate you being here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We got Great Wuda in the chat. What is going on? Master of Gaming in the chat. Hail to you. Thanks for being here. We got Lesser Logic in the chat. What's going on? Yeah, I mean, I've been hearing mixed things about it. Let, let's just be let's just be honest. I have not seen the film itself, so I cannot actually give a a valid, you know, conversation or a valid analysis of the film until I actually watch it. But that doesn't change the fact that I have heard mixed things. There are some who say it's okay. There are some that say it's great. There are others that say it's it's garbage. And I especially on a film like this, when I know that there is a huge fan base behind it, right? Huge fan base um, that are that are part of the TMNT fan base. And so I look to people like Tom from Midnight's Edge and Midnight's Edge After Dark. You know, shout out to Tom. I know he is a mega fan. So his word on this, I take very, very seriously as a mega fan. I also even look to someone like Jeremy Johns, who's also very vocal about his own love of, of the franchise, of the IP. And when they come out, when they come out and they're critical of of the film, those those reviews are going to be having a little bit more weight than just your standard typical review. So, I mean, again, I can't say anything specifically for uh, you know for my own opinion because I don't really have one yet. But hey, I do respect them. Let's see, we got JS Pena. What's going on, JS Pena? Thank you very much for being here. Getting things started off, low watermark, dropping a fifty, dropping the fifty. Over on Streamlabs, thank you so very much for that very generous donation. No message attached. If that is not correct, please just tag me in the live chat, and I will happily read that and shout you out again, good sir. But always appreciate your support. You're always incredibly generous, man. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, man. Shout out again to Low Watermark. Dropping that 50 over on Streamlabs. YouTube ain't getting none of that cash. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's see, Jmonkey76, what's going on? We also, let's see, got General Wingster in the chat who entered into the giveaway. Boom, that's exactly how you enter in. Uh, and again, you just can only enter in one time, so don't spam it. Don't spam it. Again, I'll, I'll check it periodically to see what the current entries are, so don't worry. Uh, Master Gaming, I saw your comment early on. I see that, that it's now retracted. Um, and no, I, I have no interest. He had originally talked about uh, the film Strays. I, I, I'm a dog lover. You all know I've got my hands of Asgard with me, but I have no interest in that movie because just because you're a dog lover does not mean you're going to go in and see an R-rated <laughs> movie with people doing the voices of dogs. I, I can say that as someone who loves a movie like Homeward Bound. Oh, goodness. That film, big part of my life. Haven't seen it in years, but when I was younger, I watched it all the time, and I would much rather watch that a thousand times over than even give a moment to this film stray. It's not saying that the film's going to be bad. It's just not really my cup of tea. It's not something that I'm typically drawn to. Uh, Miss Minnesota Hockey fan, how about a hockey player? What is going on, Miss Minnesota, Miss Minnesota Hockey fan? She is a member here on the channel. General Winkster, after entering in, that was the first thing he said, and then he said, oh, and hello there. Also, hello there. What's going on? Mike Jackson, double dipping over here today. We got King Kane Rumsky hanging out over on Rumble saying, we're too cool for cookies. You know you want those cookies. If there's ever a bot that can do exactly what the bot I currently have does over on YouTube, 
For Rumble, I will absolutely do it. It'd be great if there was a bot that could actually somehow not only capture the chat from all those different locations, but then also have that type of, again, membership, you know, by watching the streams and by, and that's what I've always enjoyed doing because obviously I do appreciate anyone that becomes like a channel member or a Patreon subscribe star member, but it's the people who watch. It's the people who are always here active in the chat. That's why I always try to do everything that I can to to spread to spread that love around as best as I possibly can. Um, let's see, Bianca Zombie, what is going on? Welcome back over on Rumble. Thank y'all for being here, holding down the fort. We got Dr. Martin Van Nostrand. What's going on, brother? Says Happy Taco Tuesday. God bless you and your family. Thank you very much, Dr. Martin. Appreciate that. God bless you as well. Yeah, we had, uh, that's the one thing we have at our school. We do have uh, every week, Taco Tuesday is alive and well. I had two spicy chicken sandwiches because I, I love me a spicy chicken sandwich. I don't know. They're, they they just, uh, they make me happy. Uh, let's see. Jay Tripped Poo. <laughs> What's going on? Oh, no. I thought he, I thought he had released the evidence clearing his name. <laughs> I didn't watch the entire stream in real life, but I know that there was that clip going around of of someone in the Winnie the Pooh costume falling over. I think that was it. What? Um, I think that was what it was, right? And then apparently people were claiming that because of when it was shot, it seemed as if he was the one that <laughs> that may have tripped him. Uh, it's great. I love Jay. Shout out to Drunk 3PO. Uh, Zane Waters, what's going on, brother? Welcome back. Appreciate you being here. Mike Jackson, hail. Uh, Steven, time to say, how was your first week? Uh, welcome back to school. What are you looking forward to this year? Hey, everything's been going fine so far. So yeah, we had last week, which was a bit of like a half week, right? We had uh, orientation and we, we had those, those, you know, the first full rotation back, uh, getting everyone used to this, you know, getting into the swing of things. So, uh, the first, uh, so basically today and yesterday was our first actual like Monday, Tuesday start our first full rotation with the full class length. And so far, it's it's going pretty well. We had a special uh, schedule today because of mass. Typically, we have mass as a school every single Thursday, and so we were able to have it today on the uh, on the feast, the Holy Day of Obligation, that is the feast of the Assumption. So again, a very uh, blessed time indeed to be to be celebrating that. And it's it's been going pretty well so far. Again, always always a little bit of a slow start at the beginning of the year, but we just started to dive into our intro to philosophy. Always love you know love that I was able to start that last year, and and be able to pick that back up this year. Just a very fun topic to to go into, talking about people like Thales and Heraclitus and Parmenides and, and stuff like that. If you've ever had an interest in in philosophy, you might have heard the, of those names before. But it's a lot of fun. And uh, as far as what I'm looking forward to, really just looking forward to getting into the material. I always really enjoy the you know the intro to philosophy. Last year was a lot of fun, and uh, going further into morality, I think is also a ton of fun. Um, so when we start to dive into different moral topics, diving into our moral discussions, they're always a lot of fun. And typically, I think they're they're pretty enlightening, right? Now, obviously, not all of the kids are going to necessarily be on board with all of the things that we talk about, especially when it, you know, d- you know, deals with church teaching. But it is still good to have those conversations and hopefully be able to to reach them on some level in some way. Maybe lay that seed down for them to hopefully one day, you know, come to know uh, the truth, especially on very important moral issues. Forever Sci-Fi, what is going on? Hail to you. Thanks for being a member on the channel. Steven says, do you play Clash of Clans? I do not. So I have no level. I've just never had an interest in that game. I've seen a thousand different commercials for it. But that's about it. Short is short, Laura, the modern major general story. What's going on? Laura says, hail from work. You're still at work? Come on, Laura. Come on, shorty short. Hey, 
It's okay though. It's okay. Someone's got to be working right now, I guess. So thank you for thank you for doing it. Kicking Rubski over on Rumble. Tanna say, can you have chicken on a holy day of obligation? Absolutely. So the the concept of holy days of obligation is that they are major feasts, and as the name implies, it is meant to be a feast. So it is indeed meant to be a day of celebration. Uh, celebration and and festivities. The only exception to that would be if you look at the traditional uh, rules. I think that this was either changed in the 1917 Code of Canon Law or maybe before. Was if the feast fell on a Friday, uh, you were still expected to abstain from meat. Obviously, you could still celebrate. There was never going to be uh, a need to to abstain or rather to fast. For instance, I believe the obligation to fast if it was if it was a feast that happened on a Friday during Lent. I believe you would be able to not have to fast, but you would still be expected to abstain. And again, it all comes down to, you know, what is the whole purpose of it? It is to have a small sacrifice, right? A small sacrifice. And and meat makes the most sense for a couple of reasons, because one, it is something that's a major part of most people's diets. Not everybody, but most people. But also, two, Christ gave up his flesh for us, and so it makes sense that we should give up flesh for him, even just for a day. And it's amazing how many uh, younger people especially look at that and act as if it is the most difficult thing in the world. It's like, look, it's an inconvenience. I'm not going to lie, especially as someone who is a prime meat eater right here. You know, sorry to the vegans out there, but I mean, I, I like I like I like steak. I like burgers. I like sausage. Um, so <laughs> but at the same time, it's it's really not that big of a thing, I think, to. Uh, and by that, I mean, again, it's meant to be that sacrifice there. And it is. Uh, because I do have to be more careful with my meals and actually plan them out. Uh, but again, the most important thing of all of this is just to again use that time as, as a as a way to to offer to offer worship and to bring and to raise our minds and hearts to God. So, yeah, hopefully that makes sense. Kincaid Rumsky, thanks for the question. Kimberly G, howdy everybody, what's going on? Kimberly G, thank you for being here. Kimberly G, Killian Shadowcat. Uh, Steven had to say, are you going to review Blue Beetle? If so, when do you plan on watching it? Drop a review. Um, I still haven't really decided yet. Uh, I know that this week, our, our big task, so for, for Friday Night Tights, our homework is that we have to watch Ahsoka. I think that's this week. <laughs> so that's going to be fun. Apparently, it's going to be two episodes of Ahsoka. Uh, Gary hates us. Um, so I don't know if we're going to be talking Blue Beetle. We might. I, I would assume that we're going to talk about it a little bit. So... I am considering it, and if I do go to see it, it's going to be on Thursday. It's going to be during during the opening. So, uh, yeah. So expect one probably Thursday evening, depending on the time. If not Thursday evening, it'll be Friday morning. J.S. Pena, Ted say, Zachary Levi says that all films are garbage now, but honestly, I think it's only a matter of time before he changes his tune. Yeah, I'm the same way, J.S. Pena. Like, I know a lot of people are praising him for saying it, and look, credit where his credit is due. He is coming out and saying it, and I know that he has in the past also been a lot more I guess critical or, or open to certain ideas that certain you know that other Hollywood um, artists are, are not open to right he's he's definitely someone that he seems to have a little bit more sense than the vast majority <laughs> of of actors but he's also not perfect and here's the thing would he be saying the same thing if his movie was very successful that that's just honestly what I don't know I, I, ultimately he was in one of the worst performing, not as far as financial losses, obviously that that still this year goes to Indiana Jones' Dial of Destiny, but he's still a part of one of the worst performing movies. I mean, you think about a film like Shazam 2 with the studio behind it, a part of the DCEU, and obviously Shazam is not a major uh, property by any means when you look at even the numbers for the first movie. The movie barely made, what, over $100 million, though, worldwide? 
That's abysmal for a movie like that. It's lucky that it did not cost nearly as much as, as it could have, or it would be the you know the biggest flop of this year. But I'm kind of wondering. I, I do have some questions as to whether or not if his film had been successful, if he would be kind of this open, as it were. So, anyway. Who do we got in as a chat? We got Zachariah315. What is going on, Keely? Uh, speaking of Paul Rubens, legend has it that his vampire from the Buffy movie still hasn't died yet. R.I.P. Oh, dang. That's nice. Yeah. I I remember the movie. I've only seen it like once or twice. I loved the series, so I know the Buffy series a lot better than I do the, the movie. Not that I'm an expert in the series by any means, but um, I, I remember that, that he was in that. That's interesting, though. I, I had not heard that. Let's see. Master of Gaming says, I remember when CVR said Indiana Jones and Donald Destiny made money when Variety said the movie could lose $100 million. CVR is a part of Screen Rant. And again, it's not surprising at all for that kind of garbage to be coming from those companies. Yeah, I, I just retweeted earlier today um, or re-X'd or, or reposted, whatever it is. I, I don't care. I, I Again, the, 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 the cultural lexicon is tweet and retweet. And I think it's not going to ever change or at least it's going to be a long time before it actually does change. Um, but yeah, so variety apparently I believe was the source that was being used from, from was a crave culture or whatever that account's name is. And they were trying to say, Oh, they're saying that both mission impossible, dead reckoning part one and mission and, uh, uh, Indiana Jones, Donald destiny are going to lose $100 million. And I'm like, <laughs> it's like, okay, hold on. Look, clearly mission impossible is not doing very well. All right. It, it is a movie that is so it's. To me, it's actually the most disappointing performance this year because the movie is so good. And again, if you talk to most people who have seen it, universally, it is praised. Again, does that mean everyone loves the film? No, not necessarily. But I do think that the vast majority of people, if you were to take a survey of most people who watched it, most people will come out saying, oh, it was great. It was so much fun. And I still hold to that. I still want to go see it again. I can't wait to buy it on on 4K. I've already pre-ordered them. And I can't wait to get those steelbooks in. But right now, the movie, as it stands, right, taking its budget into account, using the 2.5 multiplier that I use, right now it's at $121 million in the red. So again, not good by any means. But contrast that with the numbers for Dial of Destiny, which probably cost north of $400 million, by the way. I, I mean, you're looking at that film being well north of $350 million in the red. So... By the end of its run, Mission Impossible probably will be close to that $100 million in the red. And it actually at least has a chance of making some money back on, you know, post-theatrical. How much is anyone's guess? And I'm always the, of the mindset where, yes, we can absolutely take that into account and into consideration, but not when it comes to the actual raw box office data. Box office-wise, it will end up being a flop, and that's very sad, all right? Nothing after theatrical is going to really change that. It's definitely going to soften the blow, I would much rather be Paramount with Dead Reckoning than Disney with uh, Dial of Destiny because Dial of Destiny, guess what? It's going to Disney+. Plus, So they're not going to have anyone to sell the rights to like Mission Impossible will because they'll be able to sell international rights at the very least beyond Paramount+. Plus. And then we also know that, hey, one movie has a lot of energy behind it, a lot of support, whereas another, the other one, Dial of Destiny, has got nothing. So... It's just insane to me that they're trying to put it on the same level. I mean, again, we, we could talk about how 
Mission Impossible is not doing well and it's going to be a box office loser. That That's just right now. It's, it's essentially, you know, all but fact, you know, obviously and not until the end of the of the run. Do we actually say that for sure? But nothing's it's not looking that great. But when we look at the numbers and we look at the data to try to argue that Dead Reckoning could be put on the same level of a box office loss as a Dial of Destiny is just insane and stupid. I don't like to call people stupid, but that is pure stupidity to think that that is actually true. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about if you're saying that. Let's see, Dr. Martin trying to say digital cookies are low cal. Yes, they are. They are the lowest cal cookies you will ever have. So if you're on a diet, if you are gluten-free, whatever it is that you are, whatever weird diet you might be on, you can have digital cookies. And you get them just by watching. <laughs> Thank you, man. Appreciate appreciate those kind words. Uh, Kimberly G says, low watermark is the goat. Yes, he is. Let's see. Laura says, last voyage of the Demeter was pretty entertaining. Okay. Well, I always do say I take Laura's word very seriously. Um, we tend to agree on, on on a lot of film takes. And I, I usually trust her her opinion a lot, especially because she knows me. And so she knows the kinds of things that, that bother me in movies. And so typically she'll be like, oh, by the way, this is in there. And I'm always like, thank you for letting me know for, for prepping. That's one of the reasons why I did not watch The Last Duel. Um, <laughs> so, hey, okay. All right. Again, I've heard I've heard different things. I've been hearing now mixed bag when it comes to to that movie. I think ultimately it probably also comes down to people who know the source material or who are passionate about the source material versus those that might be a little bit more ambivalent or might be more just more open to to different takes on it. I'm someone where I don't really know that source material all that well. I have not read the Dracula novel. I I, I really haven't you know ever been a huge fan of that universe i've not watched every single dracula film i've seen the original but i've not seen all of them and so i probably would not notice nearly as much or at least they wouldn't bother me nearly as much as as possibly some other people that's good to hear let's see general wingster says the new tmnt movie could be the greatest thing since the 90s movie but i have no interest anything animated by seth rogan is cancer <laughs> yeah i i totally hear you man yeah and i think that that ultimately too is where even if I like the film, I would still have that. Yeah, but I don't think you should really be going to support anything with Seth Rogen, right? Because he is just so off the rails insane that doesn't mean that he can't produce. We know tons of Hollywood actors who are insane as all get out and yet do great stuff. A great example, I would say, is Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom Cruise is pretty crazy, right? We all know this. And yet, hey. At least he does produce some very entertaining content, which is why I don't mind going to see it. I guess the difference is that he produces entertaining content, whereas Seth Rogen doesn't really produce entertaining content. And I think that's why I would be more willing to kind of step in and say, yeah, I probably shouldn't support that dude. Then Wingster says, the guys on the other channels are suffering cookie withdrawal, like that one Family Guy episode with Cookie Monster. <laughs> Did you hear that, King Kane Rumsky? He says, you're in withdrawal from the digital cookies. <laughs> Uh, Forever Sci-Fi says, I grew up watching the TMNT cartoon. I hate what they've done with April. Stop intentionally making characters uglier. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, that's that's one way of putting it. For me, it's it's more of the, why do they hate redheads? Like, in all honesty, why does Hollywood hate redheads so much? Because it, is, it honestly seems, and I know this is not completely 100% accurate, but you start to see trends, right? And if you look at most of these, quote, modern adaptations... What you'll notice is that there seem to be a higher percentage of redheads that are swapped in some way, typically like race swapped, versus any other type of character, you know? <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Come on, man. 
Zane Waters, Chick-fil-A, spicy chicken sandwich, mayo, no pickle, my favorite. Oh, nice, 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 nice. Yeah, I know that that could definitely start a, a pretty active debate. You know, what is the best chicken sandwich? Me, personally, I am not the biggest. I, I like chicken sandwiches in general, but I'm all about more price than anything. So you know what my favorite chicken sandwich is? Wendy's dollar chicken sandwich. Maybe it's no longer a dollar because obviously, you know, last several years, especially with inflation, prices have gone up. But I tell you, my go-to order at Wendy's would be I want a small chocolate frosty, two crispy chicken sandwiches plain. That's all I need. And they were delicious, especially if they were fresh. And you could always tell if they were fresh. Wish that they had done spicy chicken sandwiches, but... I would typically sometimes add in whenever they had, because sometimes Wendy's goes through these, we're going to offer the spicy nuggets. We're not going to offer the spicy nuggets. Sometimes I would add in like a spicy nuggets on that because, oh, love me, love me some spicy nuggets. I like it when it, the taste is so good. You don't need sauce. You don't need anything to help it out. It's one of the reasons why I think that uh, chicken like Cane's is overrated because Cane's is only good if you dip it in the sauce. The sauce is great, but the chicken, again, the chicken's fine, but... Gotta have that sauce. That's why I'm Popeye's all the way. Popeye's spicy uh, chicken tenders. Ooh, five piece with some. Now I'm getting hungry. <laughs> with 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 some Cajun rice. If they don't have the Cajun rice, get in some mashed potatoes and gravy. Oh, so good. Mwah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, General Wingster, back to school, back to school to prove to my dad that I am not a fool. Such a great film. Miss Minnetonka fan, we had boring meetings this week. Yes, yes, yes. Always got to love those the boring meetings. I know that we had that. Uh, luckily, the meetings that we had before school started in earnest were not too bad. A lot of it was us kind of getting to getting to know you, getting to know everything about you. Just again, getting to know each other again and uh, be able to, to try to get back into the swing of things. And we did, we had one day of professional development and it actually wasn't too bad. We had a former student come in and he talked about how he basically became successful because he decided, you know what? I don't want to really be tied down to any one location. I want to see the world. And so he's got a remote office. And so this dude like goes all over the place and it's pretty, it's pretty darn impressive. So it was actually, it was actually pretty, uh, it was pretty fun. Uh, Scott McKenzie, what's going on, brother? Welcome back. Just another red shirt. Hail to you. Thank you for being here. Soul Assassin in the chat. What's up? Thank you very much for being here. Jedi Wingster. Ah, philosophy majors. I remember good th good times giving them wedgies and swirlies like they deserve. Jedi Wingster, you're such a bully. Why are you bullying? Why are you bullying people who are fans of philosophy, man? That's just like not cool, man. Steven, I'm curious what movie is must is a must you show your students at school throughout the year. Uh, one of the memories for me at the school was Glory, Rudy, Willy Wonka, Patch Adams. That's an interesting mixture of films. So every year during Easter, I always show The Passion of the Christ. Go to Mel Gibson film. Uh, phenomenal. Just so powerful. And uh, every year, the students become a little bit less capable of actually being able to handle it, which I guess is a good thing, but it's also kind of surprising because I know how desensitized we as a culture have become to violence. And yet there's something unique. I think that's also to the a testament to that movie. It's a testament to the way in which it was shot because even if you have seen some of the worst violence ever, there's just something about what they present during the scourging scenes, especially of Christ, that are that nothing else really can It makes you, even though I've seen it now countless times because I watch it every year with every single section of class, it's, again, so I've seen it so many times, even for me, it still is so troubling to, to watch, but it's also very powerful. Definitely a film that, 
I think benefits uh, benefits faith because it just it brings it to a much more realistic. Um, it makes it real in, in a certain light, and I think that as humans, we sometimes kind of need that, you know. So that's something I go to. Last year, I was finally able to uh, <laughs> to to uh, let's just say I had to makeshift create a PG thirteen cut of a great film called Eye in the Sky. It's a uh, it's rated R, but it's only rated R because of f bombs in it, and so I had to go in and basically just mute the times when the f bomb is said. And hey, there you go. Now it's a PG thirteen movie. And it, it's a very great film, especially when dealing with morality. It, it deals with a drone pilot. And so if you know anything about the drone attacks that we have committed, you know, by, we in the United States have committed against other countries and the, quote, collateral damage and, and the fact that we use that term to describe innocent people, including kids that get killed, it's a powerful movie. If you've never seen Eye in the Sky, um, it's it's very, very powerful it's also got a really good cast. I think it was one of the last films, actually, that um, that Snape was ever in. I always, for some reason, every time I think of him, I always have to go immediately to uh, to say Alan Rickman, the the late great Alan Rickman, uh, God rest his soul. And it's he he has a really just. <laughs> It's like one of those roles where you're like, okay, you're, you're giving your all here, but part of it's like despicable too. You're like, okay, I like this guy because Alan Rickman, but also ugh, there's just something about it. But, uh, but yeah, so I in the sky is the other film that, that we watch. That's pretty much it though. I don't try to watch too many movies in, in religion because I think that's kind of a trope is usually it's, oh, it's the coaches, right? It's the PE coaches that happen to also teach religion. And then they show movies all the time. It's like, no, I'm, I've got a degree. So we are much more academically mind minded. And so that's why if I'm going to show a movie, I'm going to make sure it's a good movie. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that it's, it's, it, uh, it, it passed, it passed the, you know, I used to show, cause I've shown other films throughout time. I showed the film called doubt. Um, that, that's a, that's a movie that I think is also very well done for what it is. And, I think it leaves a lot of questions and, and everything. It kind of handles that, that topic in, in a way that I kind of appreciate. It's not perfect by any means, but it is, I think, a very powerful film, especially in regards to faith. And the other one that I've I've shown before in, in other classes, and this also dealt with questions of faith as well, was like the first year, actually, when I came over uh, to, to the great state of, of Tennessee, in fact, and it was uh, on the waterfront. Ugh. Love that movie. And it was funny because so many of these kids have not seen older films. And so it was funny after the movie, they were like, that was actually a really good movie. And I'm like, yeah, it's amazing how many great films came out before 2023. You know, it's it's just, it's kind of insane, but it, it's also, it makes some sense. So <laughs> let's see. Rock Sader. Oh boy. Rock Sader. I don't know if this is a serious. I've seen you in the chat before, so I don't think it's it's supposed to be a. Um, I don't think it's supposed to be an unserious question. Uh, he asks, "Are you a MAGA Republican and do you hate Democrats?" I'm an independent. I'm a Catholic first and foremost. I, I don't owe my allegiance to anybody, except Christ. So, if a person is running for office, the questions I ask are, "Okay, where do you stand on life? Where do you stand on morals and values?" And it's a very difficult thing because the vast majority of people running for office, especially national public office, most of them do not live up to uh, the standards that that I that I try to hold to. Obviously, I do believe in the power of voting. And 
if I get to the point where the only people I can vote for vote for are the, you know, I have to go for the, quote, lesser of two evils. I don't like to. That's why I always try to vote for people like in a primary or something that most align with with my values. Um, you know, ultimately, though, that that's where my decision comes down to. My, it's, it's all about my faith. It's, it's all about, you know, true objective morals. And uh, yeah, so I, I don't allow, I don't owe allegiances to anybody except Christ. John Wingster says, Odin loves his man meat. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Goodness. Zane, regarding being a meat eater, I went keto last September, lost 55 pounds, and feel great. I'd struggle with not being able to eat it. Yeah, I've always thought about maybe trying that. I know I don't know what uh, Melanie Mack does. Shout out to Melanie Mack, uh, fellow sister in Christ. I know that she eats a lot of butter <laughs> and like plain meat and cheese and stuff. I, I guess it's a kind of keto. I, I don't know exactly what, what it is. It seems like it might be kind of a variation of keto. But uh, I don't know. To me, I understand that there is indeed a lot of research or at least some research behind it to, to indicate why it works and how it works. I guess for me, though, I just look at it and I say, I don't know. I feel like I would fold very easily. And because my guilty pleasure is is like carbs and breads, I love breads. It's just kind of kind of who I am. I don't know if I would uh, if I would actually be able to to handle that. The R says just got back from Mass, yay! Which was sparsely populated. Boo! I'm very sad to hear that. The R. Um, my here's what we can do: we can try to have that charitable view and think, hey, maybe it's because there was an earlier Mass and and they were able to go to that one instead. Maybe that that can be our hope. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, the 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 fact though is we and we all know this especially anyone of faith that, you know, numbers are going down. And I think a lot of it's because of a loss of authenticity. You know, people obviously, uh, people who have faith typically stay in their faith because they have a personal relationship with Christ. And so many people have a service level relationship. And so as soon as anything gets hard or as soon as anything becomes confusing, they they fold very, very quickly. So I think that that is something that has really a lot of ground has been seeded really since the 1960s, especially in the in the Catholic Church with the Second Vatican Council. I think it was attempt it was an attempt to try to right the ship in certain regards and to try to to meet the world. But by trying to meet the world, it left the church behind. It left tradition behind. It left what had sustained the church for 2,000 years um, uh, behind. And I think that there's just been so many problems and issues that have arisen since that time. But anyway, we'll we'll dive further into that if y'all are interested in those topics. But let's go ahead and dive into our first bit of news. So first, let's talk about TMNT. So as I mentioned in my box office breakdown for the past weekend, uh, both on Geeks and Gamers and on the main channel, TMNT, I think, based on the numbers in front of us, uh, is looking to be a box office bomb. So I had up for a moment the the box office projections. So uh, TMNT having made, um, again, about $90 million. So it didn't even break $100 million after two weeks. So because of that, historically, at $94.6 million, so this was, again, as of the end of the weekend, not including the Monday numbers that just came out, but based off of that and based off of what most movies tend to make when they have made this amount of money, we can look and see that the likely outcome will be somewhere between $135 and $189 million worldwide. Now, again, that really isn't that big of a number, right? That, that's one of the lowest grossing films of the year. What's going to help the movie is the fact that it only costs $70 million to make. 
That that is quite low in comparison to many of the other big budget films. Just even compared to the Meg 2's 129 million dollars, that that's quite a swing. That's a 60 million dollar difference, right? So the break even for TMNT is not nearly as high as some of these others, right? The typical break even would put the film around needing 175 to break even. So is it possible for it to do it? Sure. Even my own charting says, hey, if the film is able to double what it's made so far, you're looking at an $8.6 million profit. But remember that just because your movie is profitable does not mean that it's a huge success. So, and also remember that when I use my multiplier of 2.5, there are others that would disagree vehemently and say, no, it's probably closer to three times the budget. Once you lift that up to three times the budget, guess what? that $8.6 million gain becomes a financial loss. And so this is the reason why, based on the numbers in front of us, it seems like it's going to end up losing money at the box office. And again, I want to be very, very specific about that because here, and we have this article from Deadline, Tony over at Deadline, our good friend Tony, and this is the reason why, even though box office-wise it's going to flop, that does not mean that the studio is necessarily going to lose money. And here is the reason why. It says, Cowabunga! Gotta love Tony. TMNT Ninja Turtles franchise reignited with $1 billion plus global retail sales for 2023. Now, to be clear, this is for the entire year so far. So it's not that they've made a billion dollars since the film came out. But it is clear that because the movie is getting the name out there, and because the movie is getting eyes back-focused on this IP that it's going to have some impact. And it also means that, hey, that studio that made this movie is, guess what? They're going to be seeing residuals. They're going to be seeing the money coming from those sales. And so even if the film does flop, it's not going to be the biggest flop of the year by any means. It's not going to be a massive flop by any means. And it has even a chance of being able to get very close to that break even. And it performs better than historical standards, which we've seen happen before, including this year alone with films like Super Mario Brothers film. And uh, obviously we could look to, to Barbie doing something similar there. Well, guess what? Maybe, maybe with Barbie, we'll have to wait and see. It hasn't quite got to that point. Uh, Mario was absolutely able to get to that point. But the, the main point of it is this, is that even if it does get to that point, it's not going to be losing money for the studio, right? In the case of Disney, guess what? Disney is losing hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And why can we say that? Because at the box office, they are overspending and they are not making money. So you're losing hundreds of millions of dollars on multiple products. Add to that the fact that we now have the numbers out for Disney Plus that they've lost close to 600,000 subscribers in the last two earnings calls that have been reported just from the North American market have lost millions of subscribers, Right, that was what was recently reported, and I know that about what seven million or so have come from India because they lost one of the cricket uh, markets or one of the cricket um, uh, like channels or something like that. But still, that means that they lost millions outside of that, right? So they're losing money on Disney Plus. They're mo- losing money in the theaters. The only thing you could perceivably say is a gain would be in in their theme parks, but. That can only sustain you for so long, and I believe if you actually look at market share, it's it's gone down. So Disney does not have the capacity to, to be self-sustaining, and that's why there's talk and conversation about them selling certain IPs and, and doing other deals like it. Now, when it comes to this franchise, though, TMNT, very, very different scenario. Because, again, 
even if the film does end up being a flop, which again, historically, it would seem like that would be the most likely scenario, even if the film has a terrible drop-off, and right now we're not really seeing it all that much, that's still a $23 million loss, looking at it as a more conservative side of things, right? So the range of $23 million in the red to $8 million in the plus, guess what? Doesn't matter whether it's the best or the worst, guess what? Because of how much money they're making off of retail, because of how much money they're making off of... Um, of toys and off of merchandise, they're going to be just fine as a studio as far as this specific thing, right? As far as this specific property and IP. So just to go a little bit further into this from Tony, it says with the new animated film, Paramount has vibrantly revived the near 40 year old Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird conceived comic IP for another generation as the pick barrels towards 100 million at the global box office. And again, I think Tony is very much poorly (laughs) phrasing and framing that because To say that this is a massive box office hit is just not true. The film after two weeks has not made it to 100 million. It costs 70 million to make. Okay, again, this is not talking catastrophic territory, but it's also not impressive at all. (laughs) It's not impressive. So, Tony, please, please spare me that. What is impressive is the amount of money it's making in other places, right? It says, Deadline hears from sources, gotta trust them with their sources, I guess, that the TMNT brand is heading towards a billion in global retail sales. By the way, that's for 2023 year-to-date alone, all built by Paramount. So again, Paramount as a company, even if they lose a a little bit, right? Again, worst-case scenario, this film maybe loses closer to $20 million. I don't think think it's going to be the worst-case scenario, but you never know. Even if that's the case, you're looking at a billion dollars in... Again, global retail sales. Now, they're not getting 100% of that for profit, but they're getting a lot of it. They don't have nearly as much of a split in their uh, in their toys and their merchandising as they do between the theaters and, and studio that we see when they put films out, right? So they're going to be just fine, right? Even if the film does lose money. But hey, you would much rather have a movie that is able to make itself, is able to make its own money back in the theaters, not having to rely on anything else, and this is the same reason why anyone who points out accurately that when you look to Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, even if the film is able to make money back after the fact with Blu-ray 4K sales, with them selling the international streaming rights because of the limitations of Paramount+, Plus, does not change the fact that the movie will have been a box office failure. Now, obviously, that's going to be a much bigger failure than what TMNT will be, but hey, we look at the numbers, we try and break them down, we try to make things make sense. It says, as we told you, the launch of TMNT reps a big win for the Brian Robbins Paramount Picture Studios as he builds out and breathes new life into the franchise. Since 2012 and not including 2023, TMNT global merchandise sales have amassed $8 billion. That's since 2012. So that's actually very impressive that since 2012, not including this year, it's been $8 billion. So for them to get $1 billion in a single year, it sounds pretty good on paper at least. Uh, this was accomplished during Paramount's ownership of the TMNT IP uh, that they uh, that they require that they it acquired in 2009. Oh boy, Tony, what you doing, man? Tony's drinking again. He fell off the wagon. Someone call Gary. <laughs> Paramount transitioned the Turtles business from predominantly collectors to mass retail, and Natch, the latest <laughs> the latest reboot, has catapulted demand from TMNT fans and partners alike. U.S. Canada alone, industry projections think Mutant Mayhem, co-produ- uh, co-production with Nickelodeon and Seth Rogen's Point Grey, could exceed $110 million. Oh boy, $110 million? Again, trying to make it sound bigger than what it actually is, but it's really not. It really isn't. 
in the grand scheme of things, a, a massive win at the box office. But again, billion dollars in retail sales already, and it's not even the end of 2023. That is, that's pretty darn impressive. So they will not have much to worry about. But as you can see, right now, the film, based on the numbers that we have, is at $95.9 million. Looking at the daily chart, TMNT dropped 62%, right? So from Sunday to Monday, that's a pretty big drop. So we're not seeing strong holds on the day-to-day for TMNT, right? We're not seeing the strongest holds. The daily number being at $1.8 million. Again, that's not catastrophic, but that's 468 per screen. For comparison, Barbie's at 1,100 per screen, Oppenheimer's at 696, and hey, Oppenheimer's a three-hour drama. So, uh, again, I, I will I will point that out and say, TMNT, it's doing okay, but it's only okay because of the fact that it's going to be able to make its money elsewhere outside of the theater. But, that is the word. What say you? Heading back over to Rumble for a uh, for a moment. Let's see. Kigan Rumsky says, tell Wingster that the people on Rumble are on the keto diet, baby. You heard it. Kigan Rumsky says, it's funny you talked about Alan Rickman tonight. I just finished The Deathly Hallows Part 1. Such a better film than Part 2, by the way. Uh, and I'm watching Part 2 later tonight, he says, don't tell me what happens. I won't tell you what happens. No spoilers or anything. It's not like anyone dies. It's not like any major characters or villains die or anything like that. Um, but I will say that uh, part one is a lot better than part two. I honestly, my favorite part of Deathly Hallows part one is, and I know that she's crazy in real life, but when, oh my God, I don't know why I was, I don't, I don't know why I was going to say Emma Stone, uh, Emma Watson. When Emma Watson does the dialogue for the Deathly Hallows animation, the animation's beautiful. And I think that her, her, uh, her reading of the story is very, very good too. So. Sorry, so Willow's sleeping, and sometimes she wags her tail in her sleep, and so I was just hearing it, and I was like, wait a minute, is she awake? Nope, she's she's just passed out. <laughs> oh, man, let's see. Uh, you have a mad dog tag to say, trust me, bro, I've got sources. I got sources, says Tony. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Uh, <laughs> though with a site like Deadline to, to claim you have sources like that and then end up being wrong on those sources or lying about those sources, let's just say probably will have a lot more ramifications. Not saying that they are trustworthy by any means, but I trust them a lot more than some other people with sources. I can say that much. Uh, Mike Jackson says, thank you for your service and sacrifice seeing some modern movies. I'll take an old school beach assault. Oh, boy. <laughs> Jonah Wingster then says, Shazam 2 came out this year. I forgot. Yeah, most of us did. The only thing I remember from that film is that cringe line, taste the rainbow. Oh boy, if you saw the film, you'll know what I'm talking about. All right. Uh, Steven says, so I ended up telling my ex happy birthday. Left it at that. Hopefully no more hearing from her. I've clearly moved on. Too many honeys out there. Oh, right, Steven. Well, again, shout out to you, good sir. Best way to move on, though, is is just to also not talk about it. Because talking about it it, it, it continues to keep it alive in a lot of ways. Let's see. Dr. Martin says, have a good rest of your stream. Off to watch Rocky 4 with my son. We watched Rocky 3 last night. One of the best sports movies ever. All right. Well, enjoy, Dr. Martin. I will say, though, uh, I know that you entered into the giveaway, uh, but just know you will. if you want to have a chance to win the giveaway, you do have to be here to be able to claim it because I, I don't like trying to hunt people down. So, uh, again, I, I obviously leave that choice to you, and obviously I think quality time watching Rocky 4 with your son is a lot more important for sure 
But thank you for being here, Dr. Martin. I, I appreciate it, man. And by the way, yeah, if you are someone that did not get here at the very beginning of the stream, we do currently have a giveaway that is live here on the channel. It is for one of two copies of Pee-wee's Playhouse Christmas Special. Excellent, excellent, excellent special. Um, if you've never seen it before, it is hilarious. And anyway, follow those instructions that I just posted if you want a chance to, to win. Regulars only. You can only enter in one time. And I will go ahead and read off these, the people that have entered so far. Uh, GMonkey76, Gen uh, General Wingster, Dr. Martin, Keely Chow, Zane, Zane Waters, Mike Jackson, Bruce, Steven, and Kimberly G. And we got 67 people still watching. Thank you very much for being here. Appreciate you. There's a lot of other places you could be here on this Tuesday evening, so I appreciate you hanging out with me. For sci-fi, Tom Cruise is more of a fun kind of crazy. Seth Rogen is just a hateful crazy. Now, that is definitely a fair way of saying it. Uh, Daniel Cantu, what's going on? Keeley says, I agree because he is a Scientologist, but he is very passionate when it comes to making movies that are meant to be seen in theaters. I agree. Kimberly G, stop gingerside. I do have a soul. Do you? That's what a soulless person would say, Kimberly G. <laughs> Uh, Steven says, did you see Emma Stone's new haircut? Everyone thinks she's returning back as Gwen Stacy due to the haircut. I did not. I, I don't really care much about celebrities' haircuts. So, Soul Assassin, uh, you don't dip your fries in the slushy at Wendy's, do you? I don't. Um, I have nothing against that, but I, I don't go out of my way to do that. Um, I will say there's, there's just something about having that spicy, right? The, the spicy nuggets from Wendy's chicken sandwich, and then the deliciousness that is the chocolate frosty. Ugh. Also, I know that not every Wendy's is going to be the same, but one of the things that drives me nuts, I try not to do as much, I, I don't do, I really don't do a lot of fast food during during the year or even really during the summer in general. Uh, typically on road trips, I'll do, I, I'll do fast food then. But the thing that always drives me nuts about fast food restaurants is how often the shakes are not working. The one thing I can ever do to... 99% of the time, because there's exceptions, but if I ever want to have a, a ice cream-like dessert, I obviously prefer a shake, but you know what? Chocolate Frosty, because Frosties are such a big part of the Wendy's brand, you almost can have a guarantee that the Frosties will be working whenever you go. Again, it's not a guarantee, but I have a lot higher success rate getting a chocolate Frosty from a Wendy's than I ever have had getting a chocolate shake from a McDonald's or a Wendy, uh, from a McDonald's or a Burger King, where if you only if you get there at a certain time, they'll tell you, oh, it's broken. Oh, we turned it off. It's like, if you're open, you shouldn't be turning it off. Look, I used to work at a theater. I understand wanting to shut things down when you're getting closer to the end uh, of a shift. I get it. But guess what? If a, if a person asks for it, we, we got to make it because they can file a complaint with corporate. And guess what? We will get in trouble. At least that's the standard that we were held to. Uh, Daniel Cantu tags say, I lost respect for Rogan after Santa Inc. And his portrayal of Kong pissed me off more than Strong Princess Peach. Yeah, I totally understand it. Totally understand it. Soul Assassin did not like my my uh, comments about Kane's. I said the sauce is good. The chicken is overrated. Kimberly G, Wendy's is going to have a pumpkin spice frosty starting next month. Ooh, is that the first time they've done that? That's the first time I've heard of it. That sounds delicious. Uh, Zane at 726 says, Popeyes is amazing. Buffalo Wild Wings is great too. Love the, love the sauces. Uh, again, I love Popeyes. That's my jam. I think Buffalo Wild Wings is overrated. I, maybe it's because I'm not the biggest wings fan in the world. Wings are okay. Um, and again, sauces, I, I'm very specific with my sauces. Typically, 
ranch. That's my go-to. I love me some ranch. Um, and then of course the, the cane sauce is very, very good too, but yeah, not, not a big fan of the Buffalo Wild Wings. I've, I was mostly disappointed the times that I have actually, have actually gone. Uh, Steven tried to say, so today at night at work, 90% of my coworkers told me they were canceling their Disney plus subscription due to the raising price almost by double Disney will likely lose more subscribers. Oh, absolutely. Steven, for sure. In fact, I'm in the process of, as I mentioned, the only reason why I even still have it is, is twofold. One, because baby Thor is, is a huge fan of, of old school Pixar and, and more so more predominantly because of my wife, happy wife, happy life. So I'm actually in the process of there's this, uh, this resource you can use is actually a service. It's called play on and you play, you pay like a monthly subscription and it acts as a DVR for your streaming services. And it, it, again, they've, they have a whole explanation about how, what they do is legal. Um, and I find it very, very fascinating. And so I'm in the process right now of digitizing, uh, baby Thor's favorite movies and, and shows and trying to also get some of my wife's favorites. And I'm going to try to cancel it too, because, I've been wanting to cancel for a long time. I mentioned this on Friday Night Tights last week that every time I try to do a general search under my son's profile, the standard like default options that show up like before you enter any words in, always in the top line without fail under my son's account, mind you, is something labeled Pride Collection. Now, it's never justified in any way, but I noticed it the first time when June came around and I'm like, okay, well it is indeed the <laughs> one of the seven deadly sin months, right? Of, of, of pride. And so I was like, okay, this is silly. This is ridiculous. This is evil, but you know what? At least it makes some sense. I guess it's still despicable, but, but no, it hasn't gone away. It's, it's been there ever since. So that in addition to so many other things has led me to be like, okay, now I actually need to start to try to get these things digitized. So that way, we can finally cut ties because I'm just sick of it. I am sick of it because we don't let Mar- we don't let my son, you know, we don't let him have the remote ever. We only watch TV on weekends. We don't watch during the week, and typically we're only watching movies. So we, we don't do TV shows or anything. The only show that he really watches these days is Bluey. And if you've never seen Bluey, I highly recommend it. It's actually a really good show. The episodes are less than ten minutes long, and there's always a great message. There's a there's a huge focus on family. Uh, it's great. It, it's a show. It's so funny how it was made. My my wife loves looking these things up, and essentially, it's not from Disney. It is a it is a show created from taxpayer dollars in Australia, and basically, they had this money, and the money can only be used for providing and writing local content. So basically, you have to have this money used to pay for local Australian actors, Australian stories, like all that stuff. And they happened to give this group a shot, this this uh, writing team a shot, and they, they have a huge hit on their hands. Bluey is so good, so wholesome. It's sad that Disney has the distribution rights to it, uh, or the streaming rights, I should say, to it. But uh, it's great. I, I recommend it highly. Um, the sad thing, though, is that the, the easiest way to watch it at this point is is through Disney because they have the streaming rights, but it's so, so good. Jonah Wingster, who's a member, says, I rewatched Hot Fuzz today, probably still my favorite Edgar Wright film. I agree. Uh, the Cornetto trilogy is is great, but I will say Hot Fuzz is by far the best. I, I think Hot Fuzz is my favorite. Shaun of the Dead is fun. I did not like World's End. I thought World's End was a huge letdown. I think they should have switched the characters 
of 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 Nick Frost character and the other, I think that would have made a little bit more sense. I think both of them wanted to play against type. I think that may have been part of of why they casted it the way that they did. But I, yeah, Hot Fuzz is great though. Hot Hot Fuzz is a masterpiece with a great big bushy beard. So good. General Wingster. My least, my favorite film we watched in high school was Shrek Two. I it used to be a surprise how many times I hear people say. In fact, last year I know there there was one student I had who's a senior, and she was a huge fan of Shrek. I think that for her though, it was like Shrek Four or Shrek Happily Ever After. Is that Shrek Four? I don't know. Uh, she loved all the Shrek films, and she was like diehard, like no, this is the best film of all time. <laughs> I was like, I don't know about that, but okay. Steven, your thoughts on direction of Fast 10 saying there's only two parts uh, to it, despite uh, Diesel saying they plan to make three parts. You think it's due to poor box office for the change? I don't know. I, I've really been following the behind the scenes on that, to be frank, because I thought Fast 10 was was not good. And yeah, the box office was not good either. They spent way too much money on the film, and it didn't make it back. It, it's a, It was a box office flop. Not, not a huge flop, because it still made over $700 million, but not nearly enough to break even. So... Uh, I think they would be stupid if they kept spending more money on more than just one last part. Let's see. Master Game Time say TMNT Mayhem did well with merchandise but might lose money. As I, yeah, I literally just talked about that. Let's see. Uh, Zane says, it is demoralizing sometimes how few older films younger people have seen. I grew up watching movies from all kinds of eras. Yeah, same here. I remember when I was younger in high school, I would be watching TV with my mom at night and it would always be like TV land. So I remember growing up with, growing up watching in high school. I was watching shows like Welcome Back, Cotter. Love that show. Uh, All in the Family. Ah, oh, so good. Those were the days. And I'm trying to think of the other major show. I saw a lot of the older content. I love Lucy. My mom was a huge fan of I Love Lucy. Remember my favorite episodes were like the Vita Vita Vegemin episode and then the Working at the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> so good. That's just classic comedy. They don't make it like that anymore. They don't make it like that anymore. I tell you. King and Rumsky over on Rumble says, if Wendy's made a ginger shake, wouldn't it have a soul? Oh, that's a great question, King and Rumsky. That is a deep philosophical question right there. Um, but I would ultimately have to say, I have to say no, all right? Gingers don't have souls. This has been verifiably proven in, in every metric that you possibly can. <laughs> but... Even without a soul, it would probably be delicious. Not not to say that I'm an advocate for cannibalism or anything. Don't don't go ahead and don't go out of your way to eat any gingers, people. Okay, uh, they may not have souls, but they are people. All right, they have. People. <laughs> I just saw Kimberly G in the live chat. I have a soul. <laughs> have y'all seen the videos? There's this one uh, guy. I don't know how old he is, but it's from years ago at this point. And he made these videos, and I I'm pretty sure it was like serious and. It was him like, stop saying I don't have a soul. I do. So good. So, so good. <laughs> Orange Eye Review says, sorry, I had to step away from the stream to handle things. No problem at all, Orange Chat. No problem at all, man. I always appreciate you yeah, you being here. Uh, Roxader says, okay, I respect that answer. Okay. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Prototopics, she does the carnivore diet. Ah, interesting. Orange Hat says, I wonder if you saw my review for Demeter. I addressed my thoughts on the anti-Catholic critique of the film. Was curious to your thoughts. I'll have to check it out, dude. I'll have to check it out. I saw that you had tagged earlier. I was at school, so I wasn't able to watch it then. But I'll have to check it out since since I, I know that you said that you were going to be paying attention to see if you picked up on any of that. 
Ikthulu says, regards EMNT, I wonder if they did that die change on purpose because the merch was not expected to sell. Uh, die change? Wait, you're talking about the, the, the swap of the character? I don't see how that would have sold more, though, to be frank. Uh, let's see. Asajj says, hey, Odin, how you doing, buddy? What's going on, Asajj? It's been a while, I feel. Welcome back. Zane, TMNT merch. Clownfish TV was covering how there was an April toy that has a version with dark skin tones and a version with light skin tones. No one knows why there's two versions. If I had to make a guess, I would say either one, they're trying to see which one will sell better if the decision they made in the movie actually will end up, you know, leading to actual sales. I don't see how that how it will, but you never know. Or it could also be something that we saw with Disney and how apparently they have the two different aerials at their theme parks, right? And and one of them is being treated a little bit better than the other, <laughs> according to reports. It, it also would surprise me if they're like, hey, here is the actual traditional version of, of April O'Neil, and then here's our new modern-day version of it. So I think that it could be a, a few different things. Um, it would surprise me if they were doing some kind of test, though, in some way. Someone said, cricket is long. I've never actually watched a cricket game before. I've just never had that much of an interest. I do like trolling people on that, though, uh, because I, I like saying, like, oh, yeah, isn't that just the same as baseball? Isn't it just baseball, right? <laughs> with with a slightly different stick and, and and stuff, different different names. Was it as what were we talking about that on Friday Night Tights last week? And I think As was the one who was uh, <laughs> who, who who was freaking out about it. I love it, it's so good, so good. By the way, shout out to As for 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 starting his cameo. I, I have not seen all of the videos that he's he's posted. I think some of them are shared. I don't know exactly how that works, um, but the ones that I have seen have been pretty funny. It's like it's like the perfect thing for him for sure. Let's see. Forever Sci-Fi says and that way, uh, the way that Oliver uh, Anthony's song "Richmond North uh, Richmond North of Richmond" has blown up shows that if Hollywood just acknowledged the pain that people feel, they could do well. Instead, they attack those people. Yeah, I don't think I've actually talked about that publicly, but um, I'm not a big country artist fan. I I don't like country in most senses. It's just not my uh, it's not my genre. But I will say this much. I listened to the Oliver Anthony song and it is so powerful and I actually enjoy it. I, I've always said that I don't enjoy modern country because I think there's a difference between like modern country and old school classic country. It's just very, very different, right? I do like a lot of older country songs because I feel like it sounded good and the lyrics had meaning today. All the stuff you hear from modern day you know, mostly I would say rap and country together because they tend to be, I think, some of the biggest brands you you, you know, or biggest genres these days. It's all the same, right? It's all the same lyrics. It's all different variations. It's the same twangs. It's it's just it's white noise. But you listen to some older stuff. It's great to me. The Oliver Anthony song, uh, Richmond, North of Richmond, kind of is a throwback to a lot of those older country artists where the lyrics are incredibly powerful and it is, it's raw. I mean, you can just tell that there is meaning in every single word that, that he sings. So, yeah, I absolutely would say the song is great. If you've not checked it out, I recommend it. It may not be your cup of tea. I didn't think it would be mine either. And yet, I'm continuously drawn back to, to listen to it. So, 
All right, looks like there might be a troll in the chat, good sir. So you know what to do. You know who you know who I'm talking to. You know I'm talking to you, and you know what to do. Lay down the law, good sir. I am the law. Javis Kowski says, fun fact, we have two Dracula films for this year that bomb at the box office. That IP took a stake to the heart. Yes, indeed, Javis Kowski. Hey, you know what? With the jokes like that, you should take the job of, of Tony over at Deadline. <laughs> Much love, Jeremy, though. Thank you for being here, man. Always great to have you here. All right, let's talk about the last bit of, of news to talk about today, which is Blue Beetle. Oh, boy. We got our, our friends over at Screen Rat again. Friends over at Screen Rant. Oh, this is Lewis Glazebrook. He might be a little glazed over, you could say. <laughs> Tony, am I as funny as you yet, man? As it says, in light of DC's recent box office failures, it is worth exploring how much Blue Beetle costs to produce and the box office it needs to succeed. So it goes without saying that whenever it comes to Screen Rant, just don't take anything they say very, very seriously because, as we all know, they are a joke. Now, here is what their summary is, and thank you very much, Screen Rant, for at least providing a summary so that I don't actually have to, you know, dive into your article, right? It says, Blue Beetle has a smaller budget of $120 million compared to the, decent, the recent films like Black Adam and The Flash, making it more cost-efficient. Because everyone thinks when they hear $120 million budget, cost-efficiency. Good, an good analysis there, Screen Rant. It goes on to say, to be considered a success, Blue Beetle needs to earn at least $240 million worldwide, taking into account production cost, marketing, and distribution expenses. Now, part of that statement is correct, but it's not the number that they've just listed. Because yes, you do need to make back your production cost, your marketing cost, and also the fact that you split your revenue, not distribution expenses necessarily, screen rant, but more so the fact you don't get 100% of your box office. $240 million is a joke. What they're doing there is they're doubling the budget. Even I, at the very least, do 2.5 times the budget. And even that is considered low by many people, especially other people in the box office analysis space. So let me try and see if I can just fact check you real quick there. Screen Rants. And it's amazing because Screen Rants run articles like this before. And I know that they've been called out for it. So the fact that they're continuing to perpetuate these lies and this nonsense just kind of makes you a little bit wonder about, mm, what is it that you're trying to do here? Are you, are you honestly trying to play cover to such a degree? But anyway, at $120 million budget, if we look at this, typical cost is, or rather, typical break-even is 2.5 times that budget. No, it's not $240 million. We're talking a minimum of $300 million it needs to break even screen rants. And if you were to take a much more, I guess, liberal approach, I'm on the more conservative approach to the numbers, other people might be argued to be more liberal with it, then it would mean to make 360. So you're looking at a movie that in reality needs to make between 300 and $360 million, if that budget we are being told is correct, by the way. That's also a very important matter. And then notice it says right here, right? But the opening box office projections domestically are around $30 million, with a potential for increased performance in Latin America. That is your assumption. And one person made a great comment in one of my last streams, which is that, well, when you try to pander to these audiences, they actually don't show up nearly as much. Certain audiences do not react very well to pandering. 
It goes on to say, positive early reactions indicate potential for better performance with expectations ranging from, yes, you heard this correctly, 100 to 300 million worldwide. So what they have just admitted in this article, for one, they've lied and said the break-even is 240. It's not. It's between 300 and 360. And then they've also gone on to say, well, the opening weekend doesn't seem that great, but hey, there's positive word of mouth on it from the critics who got early access media screenings, because we all know that means everything in the world. And then they went on to go say that, yeah, the worldwide total, not domestic, worldwide, between 100 and 300 million. So what they've admitted is that it's going to break even at best if you look at the actual numbers. So good job there, Screen Rants. Good job. Just as a bit of a reminder, even the people over at Box Office Pro, remember, Box Office Pro, they were the ones, the only ones really that predicted Barbie's success. Remember, when you went into the weekend, even Warner Brothers only projected $75 million for the domestic. We all know that they tend to underplay, but you don't underplay it by 50%. Studios do not undervalue their movies that much, okay? Again, they'll go towards the lower end of an estimate, but they, they will not cut the estimate in half, right? We also know that they, at Box Office Pro, tend to take into account not only early numbers, uh, pre-sales, but also they'll take into account uh, social media presence, other factors like that, other X factors. What do they say? They, and this is a 50% increase in the last, or between this and the last update they did. So we could see this number get higher. We could also see this number get lower. They think it's going to be somewhere between 20 and $27 million. So Screen Rant, let's just be frank, is wrong on almost every single metric. The only one that actually has any merit to it at all is that total prediction being somewhere between 100 and 300 million dollars because you know what the total domestic being projected right now from box office pro is a total domestic of 45 to 87 million so not even getting to 100 million domestic i can't believe that it's going to get 200 million dollars worldwide so what does that all mean it means the chance of blue beetle being another flop for warner brothers very very likely very very likely so anyway those are my thoughts on Blue Beetle. Let me go ahead and just double check to make sure that we have covered the the plethora of, of topics today. We have. We have indeed. We've got about 20 minutes left, so let's go ahead and, and spend our time in the chat. Remember, if you do want to enter in, there is still this giveaway that is currently live right now for a copy of Pee-wee's Christmas Special on Blu-ray. I've got two copies to give away. I'll be picking winners at the very end of the stream. And again, that is for this bad boy right here. Great, great Christmas special. Um, excellent show. Rest in peace, Paul Rubens. So if you want to enter in, go ahead and follow those instructions that I just posted. You can only enter in one time for one ticket. 3,000 digital cookies. You get digital cookies by watching the streams. Um, and the entries have not uh, changed since the last time I, I checked. 55 people still watching. Thank you all for being here. Especially I know that Bob, I think it's uh, Tuesday's main event typically starts around this time. So I appreciate you all. Hanging out here. General Wingster, Snape kills Dumbledore, said calmly. Oh, man. That's that's my wife's favorite difference. Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? He said calmly. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Uh, Zane Waters says, It's too bad because Emma Watson can act, but like too many in Hollywood, she phones it in now as she's gotten a lot of attention and clout. Agreed. If you look at her performance in Beauty and the Beast, right, even going back a few years to Beauty and the Beast, 
Compare that to her performance in The Perks of Being a Wallflower. In The Perks of Being a Wallflower, she gives a great performance. There's, there's, in fact, you can even see a good performance from Ezra Miller, a younger Ezra Miller in that movie. That, that's kind of where he got on the map in a lot of ways was, was the performance he gave in that film. But what happened? They, they both went nuts. Clearly, Ezra Miller went a lot more insane <laughs> than, than Emma Watson. Emma Watson's crazy, but let's be honest. She's at least not as crazy as, as Ezra Miller, or at least doesn't have the allegations of, uh, that Ezra Miller has. Uh, but I agree. I definitely agree. I think that she... You can also see the same thing with Brie Larson, too. Brie Larson did have some some chops. Look at, I mentioned this film a lot, the film Room. Not The Room with Tommy Wiseau. That's a hilarious comedy. It's the best, worst movie of all time. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Room with Brie Larson. She, she gives a really good performance in that. There's another film that a lot of people have not seen, and that is a film called Short Term 12. Short Term 12 is also a very, um, very interesting movie. Especially if you've ever dealt anything, ever if you've ever dealt with um, anxiety, if you ever have dealt with people that suffer from some type of, um, I guess you could say, mental illness, it's it's a very powerful, powerful movie. Let's see, Cthulhu says, I heard someone mention, and I agree, that part of the failure was not mentioning that they were Dracula movies in the title. And it would have measure it, it was a it would have a measurable impact in the box office. You know what? I I could believe that. We we do know that sometimes the name and name recognition can have an impact. Also, the length of a name, too. I'm not saying that Mission Impossible's name lost made it lose money. I think the release schedule hurt it more than anything else. But there is something to be said for having a long title. Sometimes because of that, it's harder to remember, and ultimately it makes people less likely to go see it. Not to the same degrees necessarily, but it's definitely there. Large Marge sent me. <laughs> Such a great film. Uh, that's another movie. I, I really hope, and again, uh, it's one of those things where out of out of the darkness of, of his passing, hoping that we can, you know, have access to, to his work in a way that we currently don't because I believe Pee-wee's Big Adventure is, is out of print. Or at the very least, it's in limited print because I tried buying, I was able to buy a bunch of, I was able to buy three copies of the Pee-wee's Playhouse Christmas special, and they were running for like $10. I was not able to find the same for Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I think they were like $30 plus, which is like, nah, that's 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 too much. And so I, my hope is that they, in, you know, in remembrance of him, and obviously it's still making money off of him, but ultimately we know that when it comes to people that do TV and movies, Guess what? That's that's the best way really to honor them is to is to have the the work and the craft that they did and to be able to watch it and appreciate it and to continue to share it with with other people. So I know I would be totally down for buying if they do a reprint of uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I would love to buy several copies of that to give away. See, General Wingster, Rocky Three makes me feel confident in my masculine sexuality. <laughs> oh, you gotta always be honest there, General Wingster. Absolutely. Uh, let's see, Laura says, best sports movie, Bill Durham, Rocky, and Victory. I've never seen Bull Durham, actually, and I don't think I've seen Victory either. Rocky's great. I love the Rocky franchise. Um, Rocky V is, is obviously not, is not that great, but I still enjoy it for what it is. In all honesty, other than, like, the originals, uh, you know, Rocky One, even Rocky Two, and Rocky Four, of course, everyone typically goes with too. I love Rocky Balboa. I think Rocky Balboa is very underrated, and it features one of the best acting performances that Stallone's ever given, I think. 
I am JMS. What's going on, brother? Did you see the blind side drama? I did see that. It's it's very sad. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, again, you have two sides of this argument. They're both presenting themselves as being um, honest. And so all I can say is if there is a lawsuit and if the lawsuit goes goes to court, goes to trial, and facts come out, I, I would be interested to see what the truth is. Because I could totally see, uh, was it Michael Orr? I think is his name. I could totally see his side being true. I could also see him using this as an opportunity to try to make money. I could see both of those things um, being true. So I, I would want to see the facts. So I'm not taking sides uh, in this one because both of them would make sense. Both positions would make sense. So anyway, uh, King and Rumsky over on Rumble says, I feel like Warner Brothers should pay me to watch Blue Beetle. I think a lot of us probably feel that way. Uh, and then he says, tell Wingster I already knew that. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. King and Rumsky. Starting to cause some trouble with 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 General Wingster. I guess that was was that the comment about Rocky Three. <laughs> Goodness, Miss Minazaka fan. How about Hakablea says I don't like what they did to Ron's character in the movies. The guy, uh, the guy who wrote the movies was a big fan of Watson's character, so he gave a lot of Ron's lines to her. I mean, yeah, and ultimately you do have to put some blame on to uh, J.K. Rowling as well because. I believe she was as a as a producer. She did have creative input, and she I don't think she advocated enough for her characters. I think that she could have stepped up a bit more. And it's clear that she had different things in mind, and we can see that confirmed with what she did with the Fantastic Beast movies. Th those films are such trash, and, and she's the writer. She's the writer on those. So it's sad that for one, she didn't advocate for her characters in the original movies that they adapted. And it's also sad that she, I don't know, she seemed to be out of focus for when she had a chance to actually have full writing control at the very least. Jenna Wingster, the McFlurry machines are always down. I know, dude. That's why I have not gone to McFlurry in, in Lord knows how long. Because as good as they are, those machines are always broken. I mean, the shake machines are already, are already bad enough. Those, it's even worse. Uh, Laura added on to say the Wendy's Twitter account is fired. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember I've seen their account make waves every now and then. And yeah, it's it's funny because you would think, oh, Wendy's Twitter, right? Wendy's X account, they're going to be coming out with just food and, and coupons and deals. But no, it's like <laughs> they get savage from time to time. Uh, let's see, Keely Chow. Speaking of fast food restaurants, if you're ever in one with Ryan, please pray that the employees get his order right and that he won't do any cussing. Oh, believe me, I have not been to a fast food restaurant with him. I have been to a IHOP. I think it was either, it was an IHOP or, well, I think it was an IHOP. And it was, I think, not this past trip to Dallas. It may have been two years ago now. Um, or I guess you could say last year, right, in, 20, in year 2022, when we were in Dallas for the fan meetup. And they got his order wrong and I was very uncomfortable because he was saying things about the person and he was speaking at a level that I think anyone who was trying to listen could have heard. And so I was like, dude, it's okay. <laughs> it happens, man. It happens. Oh, uh, and apparently like she was going through something too. So I felt, I felt bad, but <laughs> I, so I've gotten a, a small taste. It's nothing compared to what we've seen in other videos, but 
Uh, Miss Minnetonka fan says, love chocolate shakes. I always get one when I go to the state fair. Nice. I, I My go-to is a chocolate shake. I do love me some cookies and cream shakes. Those are those are phenomenal too. Uh, but chocolate shakes might my, my go-to. Chocolate malts, especially, a special place in my heart. There used to be a place in New Orleans. I, I forget if it's a chain or not, but it was called Swenson's. And Swenson's had amazing chocolate shakes, amazing chocolate malts. And my, my great aunt would take us. She was essentially our our second grandmother because um, we have family where it's like one side we get along very well. Other side, there's all this like drama and tension and stuff. But with that side, because of that, there's tensions with with my actual um, actual grandmother. And so my great aunt was like awesome. She was basically uh, basically the grandmother that I never had on that side. And one of the things that we would always do is we would go to she would take us to Swenson's when we were younger for for some chocolate shakes. So it's one of the things where I love it, but also the special place in my heart. Let's see. General Wingster said, look, Odin, your son is three now. Almost three. He's old enough to determine what, determine that he's a she now. I, again, that is the kind of nonsense that I just never want him exposed to, ever. Um, and that's one of the things where, you know, to be involved in, you know, quote, culture war battles when, you know, being, whether being single or before kids, right now it's becoming a lot more real because it's like, okay, I had this child and he's now becoming a, a full-grown person in many respects. And so now I've actually... You know, I've already been protective, but now it's like it's starting to become a whole new level of, of protection. Um, uh, let's see. Zane at 854 said, Bluey is amazing. It's the most wholesome show I've seen in years. Facts. Absolute facts. There's not a really, I don't re- recall any inkling of identity politics or politics really at all in the show. It's just nonstop wholesome messaging and about friendships and uh, about the relationship between, you know, in the in the case of Bluey, it's the two daughters and and their father. Like the, the key relationship in the show is actually the father and his two daughters. How often do you have shows like that? Because obviously the mom is there too, and there's some very great episodes with the mom. But the dad is really like he he kind of reminds me in a very different way. I just want to clarify. In a very different way, he reminds me a little bit of Randy Marsh from South Park. Obviously very different because Randy Marsh and South Park, not a kid's show at all. But I think a lot of people are tend to be like, okay, yeah, Randy Marsh is my favorite part of the show, right? He, he's, he's got some of the best lines, some of the best characters, some of the best story arcs. That's Bluey's dad in, in the show Bluey. He just has some of the best moments, and, and he tends to be our favorite. So anyway... Uh, Zane says, what does your family do during the uh, during the week for entertainment? I wish I could remove myself from screening uh, screen time like when I was younger. Yeah, um, I mean, with him being so young, there's not a whole lot that we do um, as far as, like, games and stuff. Once he gets older, I think that will become a little bit more prominent. But during the week, typically, you know, he's at daycare. And so when we uh, pick him up from daycare, typically we have about an hour and a half or so uh, before before bedtime typically. And so typically what we do is uh, now that we're getting ready for, for for baby girl to get here in September, we have actually, uh, he usually brings it up, but if not, we say, Hey, do you want to go to your big boy room? Cause uh, the nursery upstairs will be turned into, or rather it'll just remain the nursery for baby girl gets here. And then we are transferring. It's almost done. My old office. That's why I'm in, in this place now. I'm in this place now. I'm in this tiny room. Uh, that's now that's now his big boy room. So we typically will read books. A lot of just imagination play, too. 
So we have a lot of different toys, and right now he's obsessed with with ships. So we'll be playing with his building blocks, for instance, and he'll put two together and say, look, this is another ship, and this is another ship. And it, it's just, it's so cute. So a lot of imagination play at this point, uh, during the week at least. Uh, General Wingster, there it is. Did someone say family? Yes. Don't don't tell Vin Diesel, please. You tell, you tell him to stay away from my family. <laughs> Cthulhu, Disney has proven they don't deserve your money. Tortuga Plus has a wonderful streaming service where subscriptions go to good cause. Your family. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and that's one of those things where I do have like this, because there is a bit of a moral gray area, I think, when it comes to the high seas. So I try to avoid it when, when I can. Let's see. Berg Flicka. What's going on, Berg Flicka? Member on the channel. Hello, Chad and Odin. Glad I caught a stream live. Yeah, me too, man. Glad to see you here. Joeinster, OMG, I totally agree with you about World's End. Thank you. It really, honestly, it's just not good. Orange Hat says, I thought that World's End was a poor addition to the trilogy. Agree. Like, you just have such, I mean, the start you get with Shaun of the Dead is it's just a very strong start. It's a great film. And, and it really, it's actually a good zombie movie too. You know, it's, it is, it has just the perfect amounts of it being a spoof but also in a lot of ways being a very well done zombie zombie flick too. And then you jump ahead to, to the second film in the Cornetto trilogy in hot fuzz. And it's just a phenomenal movie from the very get go. When you have Simon Pegg walking towards the camera on rhythm on beat. And then it's the whole Sergeant Nicholas angel and all this stuff. It's so, so good. Um, so it's, it's so sad. I remember I was so hyped to see it, I actually got to see the Cornetto trilogy in theaters, in the in the anticipation of that of that film. I was so sad what they did. Uh, Daniel Cantu, sad to say, and can't wait for my plush to arrive. Yeah, dude, they should be shipping out very very soon. If you got a Templar Odin plushie. Those should be shipping out very, very quickly. Kimberly G says, I agree. Saw World's End once. Hot Fuzz is great. All the callbacks that rap at the end are so good. Weird to see Patty as such a funny Shara as now I see him as Viserys. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hot Fuzz is just so good. It really is. And there, there was her comment <laughs> earlier when we were having the conversation about gingers. I have a soul. Uh, Burke Flick, All in the Family was great. People are too thin-skinned to handle that type of humor now. Oh, absolutely. There's no way a show like that could survive. And the thing that's great about it is that it really goes after everybody. I, I mean, Meathead, right? He he is your stereotypical liberal. And in real life, that's exactly who he is too. And yet, oftentimes, he is being uh, beaten, right? And and so I think that it is, it's interesting because as silly as they portray... um. Archie Bunker, there are many times that Archie comes out looking like the smarter guy. The R, up your nose with a rubber hose. <laughs> Heartbreak Rage says, you are excused from school tomorrow, signed Epstein's mother. Ooh, oh, what? Heartbreak Rage, I don't know. <laughs> what in the world? Uh, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, Sci-Fi, Shang Tsung have confirmed that gingers have no soul. Ooh, okay. Got a little scientific there. Uh, Joe Wingster, Archie was one of my favorite sitcom dads. I, I know, right? He's not supposed to be, I think, but for a lot of people, he was. Frank G, how do you think an animated Batman into the Batverse would do at the box office? Depends. It's a it's a very big IP, but that doesn't always guarantee success. TMNT is kind of showing that. 
Orange hat. Cricket. No one understands cricket. You got to know what a crumpet is to understand cricket. <laughs> Raphael, 1990 TMNT. <laughs> oh, man. I thought that was going to be as uh, say, say those things. So, <laughs> uh, Bruce rocking that. I see what you did there. Ambrose Chamberbot says, no bueno. Cthulhu says, oh, you take that back. Jose Gonzalez, Sean James, Mitch King, poor man's poison or phenomenal modern country. I don't listen to modern country because it all sounds the same to me. Uh, let's see. Caron Nebier says, um, 240 is just production cost. No, no, no. For for TMNT, it was uh 70 million. And then for Blue Beetle, it was one, it was 120. Uh the last the last I checked. Obviously, sometimes these numbers get updated. And even if they do get updated, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is the most accurate data available but as far as sources right now it is according to the wrap uh the report is 120 million so that's still quite a bit of money that's that's definitely not uh conservative spending as screen rant would want you to think all right we got just a couple minutes left so i'm trying to get through these comments and then we will choose our two winners for for the giveaway we'll go ahead and just close that so so the giveaway is closed. You cannot enter in. So if you don't even know what the giveaway is, sorry. Should have been here at the beginning. You should have been here at the beginning. Over on Rumble, King and Rumsky says, hashtag Archie was right. <laughs> in, in many ways, he was. Uh, very flicking. Not to wish ill on anyone, but the comments Blue Beetle director and writers made turned me off from ever watching the film. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to feel that way. For sure. Uh, he then goes on to say, whenever the critics' ratings are high and the viewers are low, you know it's bad. Just look at The Witcher. That's a very good point. Great Widow says, if Bishop Paul's better directed part one, bombs, then Blue Beetle better bomb too. Yeah, you would think that, but then again, you also have Barbie making hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Jay tripped poo. Screen Rant tried to portray Little Mermaid as a success and then buried the fact that it was a failure in an article about how bad Disney's summer box office was. Yep, that sounds like Screen Rant, doesn't it? Ignoring the facts. Orange says, I have Pee-wee movies, so I am out on this one. But do you have the Christmas special? Keely says, you're my favorite Geeks and Gamers, and you're very underrated as a Geeks and Gamers member. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, I, I do the box office breakdown because that's pretty much what I have the time for. I would love to be invited on Tuesday's main event at some point because I think that could be fun. It, it's actually at a time that I could probably make it work, um, even even up against this stream. But, but yeah, I, I have a lot of fun doing the box office uh, breakdowns. And uh, Kelly, that adds, we love you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Soul says, did you see the people who own the dinosaurs from Pee Wee movie reprinted them in honor, repainted them in honor of Paul Rubens? No, I didn't. But that's phenomenal. Shout out to them, dude. That that's fantastic. Uh, Berger, uh, Berger Flicka says, Pee Wee, Ernest goes to, and Mr. Bean front for the. Oh yes, yes, yes. The Ernest films are great. Ernest Saves Christmas might be my favorite. Uh, Keely, I, a, rock, a Rocky in his prime would have beaten Mason Dixon. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Steven, what's your favorite school food? Mine would be those taco snacks. Ugh, I miss those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, typically it's the chicken sandwiches. Chicken sandwiches are my go-to. I remember the high school I went to in New Orleans, They we had a 10-minute break, and they would always have dollar chicken sandwiches. And, ugh, those were the best. General Wingster, what is the blindside drama? Basically... Uh, was it Michael Orr? He is claiming that uh, the movie that was made about him was full of lies, that basically the parents that adopted him lied to him and got him to sign into a... They didn't actually adopt him. Instead, they got him into a conservatorship 
And because of that, they were able to get basically all the money um, from the movies and everything. That's what the claim is, is that he was used. Um, whether that's true or not, again, I, I, I'll, have, I'll wait for the actual facts to come out. Jeremy Mr. Ron is kind of bland in the books, but worse in the films. Yeah, he really is not done justice in the, in, the, in the films. My wife tells me that especially. Steven, have you tried the peanut butter shake at Sonic? So good. Uh, I've, I don't know. This, the only experience that I've ever had with Sonic shakes is they always have like those summer deals where they like half, half off after 8 p.m. And I got it one time, and I think I got like a cheesecake shake, and I was like, I'm so excited. And then I remember getting it, and immediately I was like, why does this feel like there's only half a shake in here? I don't know if it's because they're just a lot of foam or if they put a lot of cream in there or something. But I just felt like it was not very substantial and it was a huge letdown. So I've kind of avoided them ever since. That could have just been that location, but it made me sad. Orange Chat says, fun fact, I've always, I was always asking McDonald's corporate about a mint McFlurry for years. And then they finally came out with it, and I secretly, not anymore, took credit for it. <laughs> yeah, not so secret anymore, Orange Chat, but hey, good on you, man. Now, if only they could actually make them on, on a regular basis. And clearly, we have Dairy Queen all over the place in North Carolina, so never seen, never need to go to McDonald's. Nice, nice. Dairy Queen is a bit of a mixed bag. Never get food from Dairy Queen. Not, I have not had good experience. We were on a road trip. It was my dad, uh, my brothers. We were on one of our many road trips, and... Dairy Queen was like the only thing available. And I remember we went to it and our, again, it could very well have just been this one location. But again, the experiences you have, even if it's at one location, can sometimes stay with you. I remember we were like, okay, yeah, we are never coming here ever again. The, the food was just not, just not good. First, I always assume Ryan gets a special treatment like in waiting. I know, right? <laughs> Berg Flick of Swenson's was the best, had a great food as well. Yeah, I never had the food there, but the shakes were great. Orange Chat, my favorite shake flavor is a mix called Mint Chocolate Chip Cookie Dough. I get it at my Stewart shop in my hometown. Nice, dude. Yeah, for me, again, I'm very boring with it. I love, uh, more specifically, actually, not not even, I think the official name is Black and White Shake. So, vanilla ice cream with chocolate syrup. Ah, that is peak. I'm definitely going to have some ice cream after this stream. And we've got some, it's the French vanilla ice cream. I got my Hershey's chocolate syrup. And then I, I typically put like one or two Oreos in it and then just chop it up. Shout out, by the way, because Pee Wee's Playhouse, this was where he introduced, like when I was young, uh, me and my brothers, me and my siblings, we learned about, I don't know if y'all remember the episode where he had ice cream soup. And what is ice cream soup? You take, again, vanilla ice cream, chocolate syrup, you mix it all together, ice cream soup. I still do that to this very day. So good. They are. Coldstone has delish cookie, uh, has, Coldstone has delish chocolate malts. Or they did when I could drink such things. Oh, man. That just makes me sad when I hear <laughs> when I could have had it. Um, yeah, the, when I have gone to Cold Stone, it's been pretty good. Keely Chow, does Thor uh, still eat pizza with pineapple on it? Other than, like, he had it that one time, and then I think he had it one time after. So only twice in his life. Nick Brown, what's going on? Truth Lives, what's going on? Keely Chow, I like Archie Bunker, Al Bundy, George Jefferson, and Fred Sanford. Yes, yes, yes. Al, Al Bundy. That, that, talk about a hero. Al Bundy, um, All in the Family is great, but you know what? Married with Children is also great. Steven, did you ever get Mew on red or blue version? If so, how did you find out how about missing no? Okay, so yeah, I never got I never got Mew um, because I just, I remember always doing the research and there was just enough out there to suggest that the 
possibility of, of having a an error or a an issue. But I did the missing note sheet. I always did the multiplication sheet with missing no. Never caught missing though, because I would always hear if you if you catch him, it will lead to your game getting erased. And I was like, nope, don't want to play around with that. Heartbreak Rage, that was a welcome back Cotter reference. Oh, Heartbreak Rage. Oh man. Again, I, I loved it when I was watching it. I have not watched it in many, many years, so I'm not gonna get the references, man. I'm sorry. Uh but I missed the show. Welcome back. Bruce, give me some food. Give me some good old Charlie Pride and Parker Wagner. Oh, Porter. Parker Porter? Charlie Porter? What are you, what are you, what are you, what are you saying? What do you talk? What do you talk? Don't make sure. Odin, I don't love you like I love French fries. So you know what? That's totally fine. I'm Jamie S. Can we agree that the Meg 2 was an awful movie? I haven't seen it, but it just doesn't look very good. It looks like it's so ridiculous that it's just ridiculous. Uh, Cthulhu, love your community and your show. Always a treat to listen to. Hey, yeah, thank you very much, man. Appreciate that. Yes, ice cream. So, so, so good. Ice cream soup equals Ziggy Piggy, Ziggy Piggy. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. All right, so with that being said, let's go ahead and pick our two winners from the giveaway tonight. So our first winner, let's see if they're still here. Gmonkey76, claim your prize, Gmonkey76, if you are still here. Uh, Porter Wagner, country singer. Ah, that's why I don't know it, because I'm 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 not really into country music. But anyway, Gmonkey76, claim your prize, good sir. Pee-wee's Playhouse Christmas Special. I've got two copies. One copy has been won by Gmonkey, if he is still here. He has to claim his prize. And Gmonkey, just let me know. I think you've won giveaways before. If it if you have, just confirm if it's the same address. If not, you can, of course, contact me via the Discord or via email to confirm Odin's movie blog at gmail.com. And I can get that sent to you soon. Yeah, Gmonkey, I'm still here, oh, guapo. There he is. What's up, Gmonkey? Congratulations, good sir. All right, and our second winner is going to be Bruce. Congratulations, Bruce. Claim your prize. Claim your prize. I think I saw Bruce still in the chat. So, Bruce, uh, I, 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 I don't know. I think you've won stuff before, too. So, just again, confirm with me if the address is the same. You get an email me, oswilog.gmail.com. I have Twitter, also the Discord server as well. So just reach out so that way I can get you one. But yeah, shout out to Gmonkey76 and to Bruce. Congratulations on being the winners of the Pee Wee's Playhouse Christmas special. An excellent Christmas special. And again, RIP to the late great Paul Rubens. <laughs> Bruce, come on, man. He says, yeah, plus I've sent you lots. That's true, but also I don't keep... <laughs> I don't keep addresses, like, unless it's actually in my, like, stamps.com, or now I use something called Rolo. Unless it's in there, I, I, I typically have to try to find it and search for it, so, um, <laughs> which I think some people hopefully would appreciate, because I know that it's, it, we have to be very careful these days with, with addresses, so, <laughs> first, again, trust me, I know, man, I know, but, yeah, just be happy that I don't have, like, a fridge or a shrine built to you with all, like, the letters and being like, oh, there he is. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. I appreciate it, man. 
<laughs> don't worry it will get to you it will get to you and again if i have sent you something before it will ha- it will be saved in in stamps.com or it'll be saved in, in rollo so i'll i'll double check that and again i'll get that in the mail hopefully either today or tomorrow but that's gonna be it for me everybody i'm a little bit over time tonight but hey that was a ton of fun we talked about tmnt and how hey yeah Box office-wise, not doing too great, but doesn't really matter when it's making a billion dollars this year in retail sales. So, hey, Paramount's going to be just fine there. Blue Beetle, apparently Screen Rant's continuing to lie about how box office sales actually work, and chances of it making anything are just pretty small based on the information we have available. And it is indeed the Feast of the Assumption. So, again, a blessed Feast of the Assumption, everybody. Say a rosary for me. Pray a rosary for me if you can, if you will. And uh, thank you for, for being here, for all the love, all the support. And before you head out, smash the like button, like the front button, smash the rumble button as well. Uh, we will have Friday Night Tights on Nerdrotic, so check me out over there this week. Um, and uh, after that, we'll have our Saturday evening stream, 7 p.m. Eastern time as well. And hopefully we'll have our uh, Chosen of Valhalla stream scheduled either this weekend or next weekend. I think those are going to be the weekends we have to make it work, but... I will let y'all know, so stay tuned for that. Anyway, you guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Again, GMuggers76 and Bruce, shout out to y'all. Congratulations on being winners of the Pee-wee Herman Pee-wee Playhouse Christmas special giveaway. And as always, God bless.